Let's go to uh, the Dudemaker Hotline. Magdalene Rose, our political affairs correspondent, is on the Dudemaker Hotline for our Thursday visit to talk about what's going on in the House of Representing and the Rona McDaniel. <laughs> somebody, somebody on AM Greatness, Magdalene, called Rona McDaniel, Rona Romney McDaniel. <laughs> and I laughed out loud. All right, Magdalene, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am well. Rona Romney McDaniels. It's fitting. Are you there? Yes, I can hear you now. Sorry, uh, you went out for a second. Uh, okay. Rona Romney McDaniel is fitting, isn't it? It is completely fitting. And it's so frustrating because she just doesn't do anything. And even during the speaker battle, did you see her out there as a leader of the Republican Party? Were you counting on her input? Were you counting on her to make the chaos stop? No one was counting on her for anything. You know, she hosted this young conservative panel event or young conservative speaking event. And the entire thing literally was young conservatives praising her for her great work. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And, but I realized the reason why this young conservative RNC-sanctioned organization is allowed to exist is because it's not about young people. It's solely about making it seem like she's done a lot. She's creating PR arms of the RNC just to make donors think she's doing well. That's how insidious she's gotten in the last couple of years. She, you know, when you see her, uh, if you could stomach and sit through an interview with her, um, the people that interview her never ask her any, <laughs> even when she's on with Fox and Friends or whoever, they don't ask her any decent questions either. Yeah. No one que- no one goes like, you know, hey, you've been in charge of the Republican Party since, since freaking Reince Priebus. Um, can you tell us what, you know, what, what, uh, what improvements you've made and what you guys have te- teed up for the upcoming presidential election? Does anyone even ask her the question? I don't even hear anyone asking her the questions. I, you know why? Because I, I think that they know she can't answer them. Yeah, and she's also completely taken over massive media arms of the Republican Party and the conservative movement. And you have to understand, this is a woman who fired pretty much everyone who wasn't a surrogate of hers a couple years ago. She completely remade the RNC. She doesn't do sit-down, 60-minute style interviews. She does little pop-up interviews where she's asked a few fluffy questions or to comment on the headline of the day. That's not what it is to be RNC leader. But this has been a problem for years that many of us have talked about. And it's like even when Trump is out there and he criticizes the RNC, the woman who helped cost him election after election should also be criticized. Yet she never is. So it becomes frustrating where it's like, why doesn't he see it, too? Why does he not see how bad of a, of a leader this woman is? If she was in his cabinet, she would have been fired week one. Oh, if she, if she was on The Apprentice, he already would have fired her. Yeah. Exactly. So why is she safe? I feel like there is something that Republican voters just don't know. And that's fine if you want to do closed door things, but it's not fine if you then lose like four election cycles in a row and Democrats are running the country. Um, She reminds me, and I think she's actually, uh, she's probably worse than uh, one of the uh, the guys that led the Republican Party uh, during its dark years. And he was just awful. Michael Steele of Maryland. 
Oh, what an what a, the, the, uh, I've heard stories. Okay, all right. So yeah, but he was he was a black man. He was elected a lieutenant governor of Maryland. So he was a black man that was elected to a position that has absolutely no authority. You show up, you kiss babies, you shake hands, you cut ribbons, and that's pretty much what you do. And should the in the event the governor has to leave the country or he dies or something, you get to become kind of interim governor here, and that is the extent of Michael Steele. Uh, Michael Steele was probably worse. Than than Rona McDonald or Rona McDaniel. Uh, the only reason that the Republicans won the House of Representatives in 2010 is because of the overreach of Pelosi and Obama. That was the American people in the Tea Party that did that, Magdalene. That was not Michael Steele. If anyone did it, it was John Boehner. That's true. And it's very odd because the history of why the Tea Party won, I'm telling you, it's been erased from the young conservative world. You would have to find somebody who was there during the time and have them talk to young conservatives because they just don't understand what happened. They think it was sort of led by the D.C. establishment and there was, the RNC did it. And I sit there and I'm like, no, it wasn't. That's the whole point of it. The whole point of it was that it wasn't led by the D.C. establishment. They hated it. They got rid of the people there. And they say, no, the, the, the Republicans were able to take back the House and all this because they were so unified against Obama. Yeah, sure, the voters were, but D.C. didn't really mind Obama. Obama wasn't the worst thing that could have happened to them. They got a lot of stuff done for themselves. So the, one of the problems we have when people say, why are young people voting so much for Democrats? Because the basic outline of how to take back your country in the Tea Party thing, it's been erased. And I don't know who erased it, but they did a very good job. Well, people in the Tea Party that sold out to Conservatism Inc. erased it. That's who. Um, let me tell you something. I was there. I, I was out. I, I was with, get this, I was with Laura Ingram and others at a stage. It was a rainy, cold, miserable day, 15 April 2009. I was within sniper distance of Obama's White House in Lincoln Park, or in Lincoln Square, right behind the White House. There was a massive protest. Pro Protest, the Tea Party protests across the United States started by Rick Santelli on CNBC talking about paying your neighbor's mortgages yeah. and people mailing tea bags and all that. I was there at the genesis of the Tea Party. I was a Tea Partier. I got invited to speak at Tea Party events across the South and all the way up, uh, heck, all the way up to, to the Long Island. I got invited to Stony Brook University to go speak. Um, the Tea Party was, in the, in, in the first two years of the Tea Party, 2009, 2010, 2011, maybe even into 2012, that was the people that did that. That was, uh, there were some Tea Party leaders. Uh, you know, Rand Paul was elected to the United States Senate as a Tea Party candidate. He wrote a book about it. Right. Um, uh, the Tea Party was an actual real thing, and it was a threat. The Tea Party really was, at one time, was a threat to conservatism, Inc., and to the uh, to the Mordor establishment. But these guys played a long game, and they infiltrated. They offered millions upon millions of dollars in book deals and speaking gigs. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they, they got offered to go speak at CPAC, and they had their own conventions and everything. And as soon as the money got involved, though, that's how they ended it. The Conservatism, Inc., the Uniparty, the Swamp, ended the Tea Party by basically incorporating it. But I, wanted, but I was going to ask you this question. Magdalene Rose, our political affairs correspondent on our Dude Maker Hotline here with us on the Mike Church Show, live talk radio the way it should be. There was an election this week that ought to serve as the model for Trump. 
And it should serve as the model for Republicans going and real conservatives who maybe not even be thinking that they're, they're, they could be candidates to become candidates and have the real electricism wave that would give a serious majority in the House of Representatives to maybe some people that actually care and give a rat's furry behind about what's going on with the debt and the deficit, never any wars and all that stuff. And that is the election of Jeff Landry. A.G. Landry won by 20 percentage points. And I can tell you, because I live here in the state, the man never ran a single negative ad. You know what he did? All right, all right, young Madeline Rose and all of you youngsters out there, let me test your knowledge. If I say Willie Horton, you say what? No, Willie Horton adds with the first Bush in the 90s. Okay, there you go. All right. So you got it. Now, here's an interesting thing that I wish to revisit with all of you. Maggie, can you see if you can find one of A.G. Landry's ads where, remember the guy in Baton Rouge went, my son would be here today had the DA prosecuted uh, the guy who killed him who was a recidivist and let out of jail. Attorney General Jeff Landry will, will restore justice in this state. A.G. Landry went to black people in New Orleans and Baton Rouge and found, heard their story. He went and met with the families personally, heard their stories about how their sons and daughters were murdered by people that shouldn't have been on the street, that the, that the uh, district attorney in New Orleans and in Baton Rouge refused to prosecute and put them back out on the street. Those were the most effective ads I think I've ever seen in a statewide campaign here in Louisiana. That is amazing. He, A.G. Landry stated in all his ads, this is what I will do for the people of Louisiana. He never mentioned one of Magdalene. He never mentioned one of his opponents. He never ran an attack ad. He never, he didn't even reciprocate when he was called, basically called a pedophile by the, uh, the state treasurer, John, or a pedophile enabler by John Schroeder. And in the most scurrilous, scandalous, horrific ad I think I've ever seen. You found one? Right, Magdalene, here, listen to this ad. This is one this of them. This is my son. He was a senior in high school. Tudor had a bright future with this whole life ahead of him. But his life was taken by someone who should have never been on the streets. Just a senseless crime. As a police officer, I've seen so many families torn apart, taken by crime. After booking and processing, we see the same ones right back out. It's a revolving door. It makes me very upset. There's no justice when murderers are allowed to walk free. I'm speaking out because I want to see a change, a real change. I don't want this to happen to anyone else. Jeff Landry was a police officer and a sheriff's deputy, and he knows what's wrong with our criminal justice system. Jeff didn't care about black, white. Jeff Landry cared about me because I was a human being. He cares about people. Jeff Landry will hold everyone accountable. He will make our streets safe again. That's why I'm supporting Jeff Landry for governor. Now, Magdalene Rose, that is a good campaign ad. What say you? It is, but the problem is that type of campaign style came out of the RNC when Lee Atwater was in charge of the RNC, when you had competent RNC leadership. That's why it's so frustrating. We can win. We know how to do it. It's not some, like, far-off concept. It can be done. But yet, 
when you are looking at current election situations, we don't see that. That that is exactly the point of why we are in so much trouble with this RNC. When you have a competent leader who can work with the president or whoever the highest ranking Republican is, you can win an election. But that didn't happen in this in most cases. It happens in Louisiana, and fortunately so. But if we can't replicate that nationwide. We're in a lot of trouble in 2024. Now, let me also say to you that in 2016, President Trump, then candidate Trump, met with the fallen angel families. He met with those families. He heard their stories of how illegal aliens killed their children, their husbands, their sons, their daughters, their nephews, their nieces. And Trump ran ads and he said, I will close that border and I will bring justice for those families. Those ads were powerful and they worked. Now, it's no secret that the Biden regime has let, what, 11, 12 million people in here. And Americans across the United States are now having to deal with this. This is a built-in winner here. All you have to do is run an ad and find a crime that's been committed by one of these uh, one, of the, one of these illegals here and say, that Democrat over there would vote for this and would let 100 million more in if you send him back to Washington. I will go there and I will shut that damn border down. Now, why doesn't Ronald McDaniel or anyone at the RNC know this? Or maybe, maybe, maybe they do and they won't act upon it. I can tell you why, because I've interviewed those angel families. I've interviewed one who was with Trump on the campaign trail. I've known her for years, and I can tell you, as soon as Donald Trump was elected and he was sworn in, those families were made to disappear by people in the White House. And they've been very open about it. It's in some of my past interviews. She talked about it. Her son was killed by an illegal alien. They were told to pretty much go away, that they had talked about the border enough. So what happened was, yes, it was very effective, and yes, it was kind of like the, the the end statement whenever Hillary Clinton would bring up oppression or anything, well, look at these people who've lost their children when they shouldn't have. But those families were erased from the Trump White House. And I think a lot of that had to do with the staffers that were in place, as well as the constant shakeups of the chief of staff position. So it's not that they simply forgot about them or, were, or didn't understand. They made them disappear. And that's something a lot of Republicans don't know. And this angel mom I spoke to, I think I've done several interviews with her, actually. She said when she would call to ask to be on the 2020 campaign trail, along with other angel parents, they were not responded to. They were told that wasn't the focus of the election at this point. So there was there was a, a concentrated effort to get rid of them. That is incredible. I did not know that story. Uh, Magdalene Rose on our Dude Maker hotline here. Let's switch to the House of Representatives here. Go Tigers! Mike Johnson elected, and this was a surprise, I think, to many people. It was certainly a surprise to conservatism, Inc., because they didn't see it coming. According to Matt Gates, Magdalene, uh, Kevin McCarthy tried to hold a secret ballot to get himself put back on the ballot for speaker and to remove Mike Johnson even as a candidate, as, as Matt Gates is telling the story. Uh, how do you see the election of, Matt, of Mike Johnson or uh, Michael Johnson as the new speaker of the House of Representatives? Go Tigers. Well, I think it's interesting that we were told that Jim Jordan was too right wing. But Mike Johnson isn't. And we were told that no one could compromise on Jim Jordan. Um, but Mike Johnson somehow could win over all the moderates. I think what we're seeing is that perhaps the issue with Jim Jordan was not his his positions, but maybe a personality difference within the caucus or people not liking what he was doing. I think this is a good move. You know, I was horrified by the, the mess that was going on 
And it made us look stupid and weak, I think, to a lot of people. And I was very afraid that all we would get from this is that Democrats would have better power sharing agreements. I think it's a good thing. I think it will be important in the next two weeks what he makes a priority. Because you see a lot of Republicans like Matt Gates saying, oh, well, we it was worth it, right? That's the line. It was worth it to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. It now comes down to Mike Johnson showing that it was worth it. And if he can do that, then Matt Gates may be one of the most powerful political figures in America. And if he can't, I think that Matt Gates may be in trouble in terms of his political future. Well, uh, there may be something else that was at play here. Uh, Jordan was uh, uh, was kind of an uh, over-the-top gregarious MAGA guy. He was also a cheerleader uh, against. Uh, I mean, he was <laughs> he was very much, very much, very loud, and very proud against Liz Cheney and the and the whole January Sixth Commission. Not that he shouldn't have been, because he should have been. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Mike Jones was wasn't. And Jones, and if you'll remember, Magdalene, when Trump's case went to the Senate and the House managers, Hakeem Jeffries, the Hag, and uh, I forget who else was on the team, Mike Jones was one of the congressmen, with at least Stefanik, um, and I forget who else, that defended Trump. I can remember when Trump was exonerated by the Senate, you know, and had that big hoop-to-do party in the, uh, in, the, the West, in, in the ballroom in the West Wing. That, you know, he singled out Mike Jones and he said, and that guy right there, Matt, Mike Johnson, Mike Johnson of Louisiana, go Tigers, Mike Johnson, thank you, thank you so much, great job, you're great, you're a wonderful man, good job, he's a good job, he's a good member of Congress, he's a good man. Um, uh, He's as MAGA as they come, Johnson. Yes, and I think that that's something that people don't realize still matters in Congress. I mean, Matt Gates is a MAGA guy. So in order to get someone forward, you you needed to make that base excited. He's done that, and I hope that there are policy initiatives that he puts forward that will continue to excite the MAGA base, because if he doesn't, people are going to feel very betrayed, and I think we can get a full stall in Congress. All right. I think that uh, also the uh, one of the things that Johnson is going to have to uh, is going to have to deal with, and he's going to have to deal with it pretty quick here. Um, and I, despite what people may think, the debt and the deficit matter. There is look. The Federal Reserve is basically waving the white flag. Jerome Powell is in hiding. He doesn't even want to come out and give press statements anymore because they've used up their little bag of manipulation tricks and uh, they're tinkering uh, uh, around with the money supply. Uh, things are beginning to collapse. I don't know if, you, if anyone else other than me saw this, but uh, 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 let me think. Uh, Maggie, see if you can find from Wall Street Silver yesterday. He posted the last six months returns of the four top major banks. This week has been an absolute horror show for the big banks. Now, I'm not a fan of them, and I'm not promoting them, but they do hold trillions of dollars in assets here. They are down below. J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, I forget the other two, are now down below March the 7th levels. 
Why? Because they're holding an awful lot of debt, number one. Number two, because there is a crunch that is going on amongst the American uh, consumer out there that doesn't have, that has uh, uh, is maxed out their credit cards or what have you. Inflation has not been tamped down. And it's because of the spending. If you keep spending the way Biden keeps requesting and McCarthy did, this is never going to end. Johnson can bring this to an end by saying no to Biden and his $106 billion. Do you think he will? I don't think he will. I think that the debt is something Republicans don't necessarily want to take on right now. And the problem with that is that Trump added so much to national debt. And the reason for that was because Obama had not done any military spending in eight years. And our military was rotting and decimated. But that did happen. And Republicans get very antsy when they get in a position to talk about the debt because Democrats say, well, Trump added more than any other president. So I don't think they're going to. It's become a situation in the Republican Party where they just ignore the debt and they, they just pretend it's not happening. I worry that will continue. And the only way it's going to stop is that there's a massive economic problem and they can use it to slam by. So maybe then that's what's a, if you want a massive economic problem, I think that there's one teed up and in the offing here. And I don't even think that it's a stretch the, the, that it's going to happen. I think it's probably baked into the cake right now. And most people probably think that uh, the, the <laughs> they probably think that they're living in it right now. Um, yeah. it, it, but, but, but you're right. Sons a crash, a 2008 crash, which may be, and the reason I brought up the four big banks, because it may be in the offing. If big banks had to start offloading their debt, and they had to start telling the, 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 the Fed, we can't buy any more treasuries. Mm-hmm. If you it, it, look, we we can't have any we we can't hold any more of your debt. We need to get back to old fashioned swindling people. <laughs> people don't have the money for us to swindle them. Uh, I, I, the problem is so large, and Biden has exacerbated. Yeah, Trump added to the debt, but at this course, did you see the latest projection? One point seven trillion dollars uh, uh, is coming our way. $1.7 this year. That's not acceptable. No one should, and, 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 and Republicans in the Congress, and there and are 49 of them in the Senate, um, for them to say that well, we don't have big enough majorities. Dude, you have the power of the purse. You have all the majority you need. You have 221 votes. That's all you need to say, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. We are going to do this. We are going to do that. So will Johnson be the guy? Will he actually lead? Well, I don't think Johnson wants to give Biden another nickel to get to Ukraine. And I think Matt Gates yeah, is right to try and separate uh, 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 this out. Um, um, we'll find out in a couple of days, won't we? We will. And what's interesting is how much Americans don't care about Ukraine anymore. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the dramatic shift of yes. rallying for Ukraine. And now it's like, oh, yeah, that's still happening. I mean, there's a hatred for Zelensky in this country that really just like came about one Tuesday. It really has just been created. And I think a lot of that is because Zelensky comes across very much as the president of Ukraine as a, a lecturing figure almost like you will do this for me you will do this for my country we get nothing out of this i mean this is not a situation where we have a landing ship in the middle east like we do with israel there's nothing we get out of supporting ukraine it's really out of the goodness of our heart so separating that funding even amongst democrats i think would have significant support because the squad is not going to go to bat for ukraine 
the way they would for Gaza. It's not going to happen. So if you say to the squad and the really far left Democrats, you can have all the money you want for, you know, aid to Gaza and everything, but no money for Ukraine. I think that's a deal that could be made. All right. She is Magdalene Rosa, and she is our political affairs correspondent. Uh, we look forward to getting some new uh, Magdalene Rose reports coming up soon. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I might even be on one here uh, uh, directly. Uh, uh, anything else you're working on? Yeah, we have a Rose Report episode coming up with a young Catholic activist who's been spreading out sort of gospel truths and really how to live as a young Catholic in 2020, almost 2024, on secular campuses and really throughout the world, especially in a, in a country that isn't Catholic dominant, but still has a Christian backing. Interesting. So this will be coming to the Crusade channel and to Crusade yes. uh, Max soon. Well, that's fantastic. All right, Magdalene, uh, thank you. Keep up the great work. We'll see you next Thursday. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Uh, you too.